Today, we are so thankful you've taken time to watch us, whether you're watching from your living room, your office, your car, wherever you may be. We're so thankful that you have taken time to watch this service and join in. Uh, we invite you to be our guest. If you're ever in our area, please stop in. It's one thing to experience it online, but it's on a whole nother level to be here in the house. We'd love to have you. Please be our guest. Now today, you picked a good day to be here. If you're a first-time guest, let me remind you that you picked a good church to be at this morning. And number two, you picked a good time to be here because we have some awesome speakers with us. Uh, for the benefit of those who do not know Pastor TJ and Courtney, let me introduce them to you today. They were both college students several years ago here in Joplin going to school at Missouri Southern. Uh, TJ was a basketball player on the basketball team. One conference, one conference championship there. What an awesome year that was. We had a fun time attending those games. But as he got close to finishing up, they were involved in our church as well. And as that close to finishing up graduation, we approached and said, we would love, you guys are getting married, and we'd love you guys to come on to our pastoral staff, lead our young adults. And they did so many other things, and they accepted that. And they worked on staff here at the church for five years at Destiny Church. Uh, Courtney was our church administrator. They run young adults. They did a, a lot of other things. Pastor TJ cut some of his first sermons preaching here in the house at D.C. And we are very, very proud of them. They are serving now in Virginia at Life Point Church and just doing a tremendous, tremendous job. They're planted there with a church that's running several thousand people. And they're one of the campus pastors at one of their satellite locations and just doing an awesome job. We are thrilled to have them back home today. I believe, I really mean this. I, I, I know I, I am biased because of our relationship. I really believe this is one of the young, great preaching voices in America that's rising up for this generation. I want you to welcome back to home today. Pastor TJ, come. Welcome today. Come on, if you love Jesus, let me hear you make some noise in this place this morning. Come on, I said, if you love Jesus, why don't you make some noise in this place? Amen. Hey, what's up, DC? Let me, let me try that again. What's up, DC? How y'all doing this morning? All right, spoiler alert, if y'all haven't recognized yet, I'm black. <laughs> so, so I'm a Pentecostal preacher. I need y'all to talk back to me. I need you to say, preach boy, preach that, that message, preach black man, whatever it is. Say all the things. If you don't, it's going to take me three hours. And so talk back to me. <laughs> I know pastors like preach. Hey, listen, I'm so honored, seriously, more than you know, to stand here on this platform to share the word of God with you this morning. And uh, I just want to take a moment to honor your pastors. Uh, I think so much of them, not just as pastors and pastors of this great church, uh, I said this in the first service. What I'm really grateful for in Pastor Gene and Pastor Mel is your friendship. You guys don't know this, but um, I think we're good relationship friends uh, or good uh, ministry friends, but we're better relationship friends. We've always been fun. And when we moved away, um, it, was, it was more sad, not just because we were leaving the church and, and leaving uh, many of you that I've seen faces before and, and hung out with, but it was because it was a friendship was about to be a little bit distanced. But I love exactly what you just told me over there. It's like, even when we get right back together, it's like nothing changes, the same, and it's because of the relationship that we have and friendship. Uh, you guys don't know, our first uh, year or two of marriage uh, was a little rocky. Uh, 
mainly because of your boy, you know, super prideful, super didn't know what I was doing, all the things. And there was a million nights that we called Pastor Gene and Mel. And uh, actually, I say we. It was my wife calling, telling on me. Let's just be real. <laughs> she was like, she's smiling real big over there. She's smiling. And uh, they came over. But here's the thing I love about it is they came over every single time. They were there and they coached us through and they challenged us through some things. And even last night, he was giving me some advice on some, some future things that we're thinking through. And Pastor Jane and Mel, I love you guys so much. Um, what you guys get to be a part of today, and I pray that God uses me to speak to you. If it blesses you in any type of way, it started because of them. They gave me the opportunity. They invested in me. They gave me the platform to speak when I didn't have a clue what I was talking about. Y'all just up here yelling, screaming, sweating, doing all the things. Hopefully now it's a little bit more refined and clear and it'll help you. Um, but I need you guys to know that you really do have two of the greatest pastors in the world. They have great hearts for this church. They have great hearts for this community. And they have great hearts for what God is doing just in the Capital C Church. So can you do me a favor and can you honor our senior pastors here at Destiny Church? Pastors Gene and Melody, we love you. We love you, love you, love you. I also do want to take a moment to honor, you don't know them, but uh, my senior pastors, Pastors Daniel, Tammy, Floyd, I'm honored that they let me be away on Sunday and come and share the message. Yeah, you guys can give it up. I know you all know them, but you can give it up for them. I'm so grateful for them and, and what they've poured into my life. And um, I'm honored that they're giving me the opportunity to stand on the platform today. Nick, hang with me just for one more minute. Uh, I'm going to read this scripture and then we're going to get right into it. John chapter 4, uh, verse 40. Six is what we're going to start in. And I'm going to give you a little bit of context. Jesus is traveling from one town to his next town on assignment. And we have this encounter that we're going to pull our text from this morning. Starting in verse 46, it says, As he traveled through Galilee, he came to Cana, where he turned the water into wine. There was a government official in nearby Capernaum whose son was very sick. And when he heard that Jesus had come from Judea to Galilee... He went and begged Jesus to come to Capernaum to heal his son who was about to die. And Jesus asked, my last verse for right now, will you never believe in me unless you see miraculous signs and wonders? Will you pray with me this morning? Heavenly Father, speak through me. God, let me be your mouthpiece. Let me be your vessel. God, I pray, Lord, I've done everything that I can do. I've prepared, I've planned, I've practiced. But God, now I need your power. I need your spirit. God, I pray that this word will land on good ground, fertile ground. And God, that it will produce good fruit in the lives of these, your people. God, we love you. We praise you. And we pray all of this in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. 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 You know, I, I was reading this passage and uh, a couple of months ago, and this stood out to me in a way that I never really uh, encountered before. Uh, it's not really a passage that you probably heard preached a lot, John 4, 48. That's just a random passage in the Bible. And I remember reading this, and Jesus' response was the thing that really stood out to me. So I know I just read it, but I just want to make certain everybody's on the same page with me. So Jesus is leaving from one town. In fact, he was leaving from his hometown, uh, 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 and he was going to the next city. And as he's going to the next city, there's this government official. So think about a mayor or a superintendent or somebody that works in lo your local government here. Uh, he, was, he heard that Jesus was in town. And so he ran to Jesus and he begged Jesus to come back to his house and, and to save his son. His son was dying. And Jesus' response to me just puzzled me. He turned and he looked at the man. He said, will you never 
Believe in me. Now, this puzzled me because there's so many other times in the scripture that this happens and Jesus looks at people and he's like, your faith, I see your faith. Your faith has made you well. Or he says, man, I see something in you. Or yeah, you don't even have to go. Your son is already healed. Your daughter is already healed, whatever. But in this time, it's almost like my man called Jesus on a bad day. <laughs> like Jesus turned, he goes, like, will you ever believe in me? And my first thought was like, Jesus, who hurt you? <laughs> like, you good, bro? <laughs> like, you all right? And, uh, I, but he wrote, he was a little frustrated, honestly, because he had just left his hometown where he couldn't really do any miracles. Y'all heard that before? And y'all know when you come back to your hometown, you kind of want to show out a little bit, show what God's done in your life. That's what your boy trying to do today. You know, see what God did. And, and that's what Jesus did, but he couldn't do it. So, and my man caught Jesus and he's leaving and Jesus looks at him and says, are you never going to believe in me? And I, I was like, okay, Lord, what does this actually mean? So I started to study and I started to pray. And my pastor says this all the time. He says that you got to read the Bible clearly for what it's saying, but then you also have to go and study for what is not actually there. And you got to put it together to see what, what is really happening there. So this man was a government official, which means he was under the covenant of Rome. And uh, um, so what I learned in this is that in this encounter is that Jesus was 100% man. Y'all know that, right? Like he was a man. He, he wore flesh suit like us. He walked around like us. He had inside jokes with his friends. He ate food. He discarded the food, if you know what I mean, just like we do. He did all those things. But let us never mistake that he also was 100% God. He was 100% God, which meant he knew everything about everyone at all times. And so he never asked the question that he didn't actually know the answer to. And so here's what I believe by piecing together some studies and all the things is here's what happened is this man being a government official, the government at that time was Rome. And I don't know if you guys know this, spoiler alert, Rome are the people who killed Jesus. So because he was a government official, there was a very good chance that he was not even supposed to be connected to Jesus at all. But I think probably what happened in this man's life is that he started, he started to hear the stories swirling around the city of this Jesus that has been going around, that's been changing lives. And I think his heart began to open to it. He began to believe, but then he had to go back to work. And he had to close it off. And he was open to it again and then something else and he closed it off and he couldn't fully give his belief. And so I think Jesus knew that and he was asking, what is it? He was asking, will you ever believe in me fully unless you see this sign or wonder. I believe this is what Jesus was really asking. Is he was saying, sir, what is it actually going to take for you to put your full belief in me? And I think that God sent me on assignment today here to Destiny Church to ask some of you in the room today, what is it going to take for you to fully believe and trust in God? Like, like how many times do you gotta come to church, feel God's presence, we sing House of Miracles before you believe he can actually provide a miracle? How many times can you come in and hear uh, Pastor Gene preach on God's grace and his goodness before you walk out of here actually believing that God has grace and that he's good? How many times do you have to be driving on the road and you're texting and driving because y'all know we all do it and you almost slam in front of somebody and you see God's grace saved your life yet again before you will believe that God is a good God? So my question to you today is what is it going to take for you to put your belief in God? Now, I know some of you are like, well, I go to church. I've been to church my whole life. I put my faith in God. I believe in him. 
And I would say, yes, you do. And there's many of you in the room, and if you have not, you're going to have the opportunity to enter this service. You've placed your belief in him as Savior, but my job today is to get you to put your belief in him as Lord. Because you need to know that that's two different things. Savior is receiving his grace, missing the penalty of sin, pulling us from the pits of hell. That's all those things. But, but Lord is saying, God, you're in control of my life. God, you tell me what to do with my, with my time. You tell me what to do with my money. Hello, somebody. You tell me how to serve the church. God, it's your, this is your life. And I'm trying to get some of you today to move from Savior, believing in him as Savior, to believing in him as Lord. And y'all need to know belief is a powerful thing. Uh, this is my most favorite time of the year. These four weeks, oh my goodness, March Madness. Come on, any March Madness fans, y'all ready? Listen, come on, revival almost broke out right there. I have been watching basketball nonstop for the last week. My wife, I thought she was going to slap me. Though, that she was like, another game? I was like, yes, another game. Like, what do you mean? It's March. And, and, but the big tournament is coming. And what I love and hate about the tournament is this, is every year, every year I fill out a bracket, y'all. And as soon as I put that last one in, I'm like, oh, you killed it. <laughs> Got it. I'm about to win this thing. Like, it's, it's old. Like, I know it. And sure enough, the first round, some random school, saint holiness of no feet, too good looking, school of the blind holiness temple, Jesus name, university, amen. That's the name of the school, the whole school. And they win. They get all the way to the sweet 16. They get to the elite eight. They get to the final four. And you're like, what in the world is going on? And then they interview the coach or a player after the game. And they're like, how did you guys do it? Like, wh what's happening? And they always say this. I promise you, you'll see this in the tournament. They say this. Everybody in that locker room, they what? They believed. We all believed. And they said, because we believed, we were able to do it. I just need you to see that when you believe, you can do some very, very powerful things in your life. But you know what? Belief can also get you to do some dumb things. <laughs> Like, let's just be real. It can get us to fly off at the handle at people. It can get us to do some random things, say some things that we shouldn't, do some actions that we should because we believe we're right or whatever. We believe that what we posted is the right thing over what's, oh, y'all going to be fake today. Okay. We, we believe those things that get you to do some dumb things that puts you in some bad situations. Uh, I got to tell myself, I was here uh, two years ago uh, for Melissa and Josh's wedding. And I remember uh, it was a great wedding, great time. We were hanging out and a uh, beautiful wedding. Your boy was looking nice, y'all. I mean, he had the black suit on. Come on, somebody. White shirt. You know, I had the button down about here. You know, no tie. I had to. Anyway. Um, and we, we were leaving that night and uh, we got in the car and I left something in the venue. And I said, oh, babe, I'll be right back. I left something in there. And I ran in there real quick and I came back out. And the car was parked about where the seats are right there. Um, but when I came out, there was this, like, black, like, chain fence. This black chain fence. And I could have walked about 15 steps that way and just walked through the gap, you know, and got to the car. But it was cold. I was lazy. And I had been working out, so your boy was feeling good about himself. I was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I was like, you know what? I ain't wasting my time. I'm about to jump this fence. Let's go. And, uh... Sure enough, y'all already know where the story's going. I get there, and not only, I forgot about this. I'm tickling myself. I got to the fence, and I was so cool, y'all kept my hands in my pockets. Because I was, <laughs> I remember this. Because I was too cool for school. 
And I was like, I got this. Here we go. And I run and I jump. Immediately when I jumped, I regretted the decision. Immediately. And y'all know what happened. I tripped over the fence. My leg is hooked around. I smashed my head and I couldn't even break my fall because my hands were in my pockets. And you would think, I would love, I would love to tell you on this story that I had a beautiful, supportive wife <laughs> who was in the car and she rushed to my aid and was like, babe, are you okay? Are you? No, she sat in the car and she laughed. <laughs> she laughed. She was probably like, that's what you get. Because belief is a powerful thing. I need you to know this, that the world is vying for your belief. Culture is vying for your belief. They're not vying for your attention. They're, they're vying for your belief because attention is here and there. But if they, they know if they can get you to believe in their product, then they get your actions. Then they get your habits. Then they get your, your spending things. This is why when you get on Instagram, when you get on Facebook, all of a sudden, why are, how do they know what I like to buy? How do they know what I like? Because they're trying to get you to believe in what they're selling. And I'm, I'm afraid, Pastor Gene, I'm afraid that some of us are believing more in a company than we are in God. I, I think we believe more in the product of Nike than we do in God. We, we believe more in Google than God. We believe in more in all of these things than who God actually is. And what I'm trying to tell you today is God is desperate for your belief. This story, let me go back to the story, is this, this man, uh, he, was, he was focused on the wrong thing. Is he was desperate for a miracle, but Jesus was desperate for his belief. Like, he was desperate for Jesus, help me, help my son, save my, and there's nothing wrong with that. Jesus wants to hear that. He wants to hear your request, but we all do it. Jesus, help me. God, help save my marriage. God, fix me. God, give me a job. God, do all those things. And Jesus is like, do you believe that I can even do it? Because we get desperate for the miracle when Jesus is just desperate for your belief. Everybody say believe. God wants you to believe. And you know, we all believe in something. We all believe in something. Everybody believes. You can tell what people believe in by what they drive, how they act, what they wear, who they hang out with, what they post on social, <laughs> way too much. Like, please stop doing that. Nobody cares. <laughs> but we, all, we can all tell, and I think we kind of, we carry it around. And people can, we think we hide it, but we think, but people can see it. It's almost like we, we carry it around in, in like a bag. And we walk around and we got our beliefs with us. We carry it around everywhere that we go because our beliefs are, are better than anybody else's belief. And, and we have these things and, and people are looking and you can see what's going on. Now, here's what I think is that sometimes our belief gets misplaced in the wrong things. And we carry it around and, and let, let's see some things that maybe we misplace our beliefs in. Y'all still with me this morning? Y'all still with me? Here, let, let's see some things that I think we, we put our belief in. Yeah, yeah. Okay, let's see. Okay, we got this. We, okay, yeah, let's start here. I think that sometimes we misplace our belief in people and relationships. This is going to represent relationships. So pretty, so beautiful. And, and, and we place it in, in, in our, put our hope in the people and what they can do for us and how they can fix things. And, and when I say relationships, I know some of y'all already tuned out because you're like, I'm already married or I'm already dating somebody. I'm not just talking about romantic relationships. I'm talking about business relationships. 
I'm talking about finance relationships. I'm talking about family. I'm talking about all these different relationships that here's what we do. We seek out the beauty of it and we seek out what that is because we're trying to fill a void that actually only Jesus can fill. We're trying to fill that. We, we seek more in people-pleasing than pleasing the God of the universe. We, we seek more in people uh, getting into those circles of influence and people seeing who I am and, and being in the right spaces and all those things more than seeking the power of the Holy Spirit. And here's what I know about relationships is, y'all see this, you know, on the top, on the beautiful, on the rose, it's beautiful, y'all. It's nice. But Walmart did me dirty, so they messed up my analogy, but go with me. But at the bottom of every rose is a thorn because sometimes the relationships that you are the most desperate for are the ones that hurt you the most. Sometimes the one that you, you think are the ones that's going to answer all your problems, who's going to put you in the right places, who's going to give you the success, who's going to do all those things are actually the ones that once you get into it, they hurt you. And you know what else I know about roses? In fact, this one already is doing it. What I know about roses and what I know about sometimes in these relationships that are fleeting is they die quickly. Y'all see this one? This was already starting to lean over. This was already starting to fall apart. And sometimes the relationships that we are seeking and that we're so desperate for, trying to fill a void, is the thing that actually dies out quickly. Here's what I've learned in my life, is that when you have firmly put your belief and your hope and your trust in people, here's what I've learned, is that people will always let you down. So be real. They're always going to let you down. Now, here's what I don't want you to hear me say. I don't want you to hear me say, you don't need nobody. Somebody like, yeah, I just need my house, my guns, and I'm good. Like, like, I'm not, no. You need people. You need people in your life. Listen, if Jesus needed people, you need people too. Like, you need to be in a small group. You need to come to church. Hello, somebody. You need to get, jump in on a serving team and help build the church. You need people. The thing that you don't need, though, is the fleeting relationships that are only going to hurt you. So sometimes we put our belief, people, I think something else in here, what we got? I think we got some good stuff. Oh, yeah, this is a good one. Let's come on out. This, this little thing right here, it's going to represent, you know, my computer, my phone. This represents culture. I think we really, really believe in culture. We buy everything that culture is selling us. Everything that they're telling us that we're supposed to do, everything they're telling us we're supposed to be, we're supposed to drive, we're supposed to wear, we just buy everything that they're selling. We, we believe in every trend that they're telling us that we need to have. And, and here's the one that, that really bothers me. We believe in everything that they're saying and that we have to react to it. it hello, uh, this is what I'm, here's what I want to say on this one, is that sometimes we believe more in Fox News and CNN than the Word of God. This, what they say is, is, has to be right. What they say has to be true. What, what, what they posted, that, that must be right. And we start believing in the content that is being given of us instead of testing it and seeing if it's actually from the word of God. We believe in culture. Here's what happens. What culture does every single time is culture easily distracts you. Think about it. Every time you start thinking about culture or it starts coming at you, you get distracted. Get distracted from what? Your purpose. All the time that you have spent wasting on Facebook reading what everybody else is saying about that president or about that leader, about all those things, is time that you could be operating in your purpose. And I'm afraid that too many of us have, 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 
have gotten distracted by what culture is telling us what we should do, how we should be, where we should go, all those things that we're actually missing out on the time that God wants us to be operating and what he put us on this earth to do. It's what we get distracted by culture. And then when we get distracted by culture, here's what happens is it leads you to start searching for the wrong things. Instead of now searching for ESPN.com, now it's something else.com. You're, you're taking in images that you're not supposed to be taking in. You, you start searching to spend money that you know you don't have in your bank account because you're trying to keep up with the Joneses. We, we, start, searching, we start searching for people to dis, who disagree with us on Facebook and Instagram just so we can battle with them. We're searching for the wrong things. And here's what I know. Once you, now once you get there, then you can get trapped. How do I know this? Many of you have heard me share this before. I share it almost in every single message because I want to help people. I can preach this all day long because this was my life. I got caught and trapped in culture and what this thing told me I needed to do and how I needed to fill this void, how I needed to make myself feel good. And for 12 years, I struggled with an addiction to watching things that I shouldn't be watching. I'm being cautious because I see children in the room, but you know what I'm talking about. It, images that were not filling me, they were destroying me. Images that, that honestly made the first year and two years of my marriage suffer because of the images I had in my head. Because I got trapped in what culture was telling me, what culture was telling me I needed to do, how I could fill that void. This will make me feel good. And every single time it left me broken. And not only broken, it left me distracted. I believe this. I've never said this out publicly. I believe that I'm probably um, five to 10 years behind walking in my purpose and calling because I got so distracted. I've never shared that publicly. I believe that I'm behind on what God called me to do because I got trapped in culture. Hear me, church. Don't get trapped here. Don't get, you got too much to do. God's got a plan for you. He's got a purpose for you. He's got a church to build. He's got people to reach. He's got souls to save. Oh, come on, somebody. He's got things that he wants you to do in your life. You with me? Say amen. amen. Here's another one that I believe that we put our trust in. Oh, hold on real quick. Ooh, hey, your boy look good. Hey, come on, somebody. I see myself here. I see myself on the screen. Got the maroon and white. Hey. I didn't do that just for that. I did this because sometimes we believe more in ourselves than we do in God. We, we believe in who we've created us to be more than who God's created us to be. I did this. I made this. I'm who I am because of me. I did that. I'm, I'm successful. I worked hard. I did all these. Let me tell you this. That is not proper grammar, but write this down. Tweet it. Social it. Facebook. Instagram. I don't care. You ain't you because of you, boo-boo. You ain't. You are not you because of you. I need you to know this today. You are you because of God. Every quirk, every smartness, every idea, every business venture, every success, everything that you have is not because of you. It is because of God. And we get, we get mistaken and we think it's about us. It's, we think it's about what we did, how we did it. And, and there's so many things about ourselves that we put our hope and our faith in. Uh, and here's one thing. I think we put our, our hope and our faith in our ability. 
I built this. I built this business. I worked hard for this. I, I, I built this house. I built this family. I, I did all these. It's my ability. It's those things that, that I, I worked hard for this. Well, who gave you the ability to even swing a hammer? Whether physically or mentally or more, however you built it, who gave you the ability to do it? You didn't. Who even gave you, let's, let me take it even further, who gave you breath in your lungs to even give you the opportunity to walk in the ability and the talents and the giftings and the callings that you have in your life. It didn't come from you. It came from God. So sometimes we get caught up in our ability. I think sometimes we get caught up in our appearance. And I don't just mean dress. I don't mean just how you look and all those things. Although you should try to look nice. Don't look broke, busted, and disgusted. Come on, somebody. Put on a nice t-shirt. Dress like you want to go where you want to be. Like all those things. But I do think sometimes we think that we have to dress and be a certain way to fit into certain circles. And to fit into certain uh, uh, economic society backgrounds and to, and to be in those, we think that we have to do all of those things. And so we get caught up in our appearance and what we look like and all those things. And I just need you to know this, that only man is looking at your appearance. God is looking at your heart. You can look how all you want to look. You can look dressed. You can have this nice suit on like I do. But if your heart is filthy, God is saying, I don't want it. If, if your heart is full of pride, God's like, I can't use that. If your heart is full of those things, God is like, I can't do anything with that. So look good by yourself if you want to. We get caught up in our appearance. What's the other thing about ourselves? I think, I think we get caught up in our smarts. Man, I worked hard. Some of y'all got more degrees than a thermometer. Just, just keep going to school for no reason. Why would you do that? I got one. That's all I need. One degree and I'm good. Hey, man, come on. Revival broke out. No, I'm kidding. If you've actually done that, that's seriously awesome. But here's, here's, here's my caution is don't think that it was your smarts that got you to the place that you are. Who even gave you the ability to retain a thought? Who, who even gave you the ability to, to put that down on paper? Who gave you the ability to pass those tests? It was not you. It was God. One more thing about ourselves. Y'all still good? Y'all still like me? Maybe I'll get to come back. I think the other thing about ourselves is this, is we believe in our hustle, our money-making ability. How many hours I put in. Now, some of y'all know y'all looking at this. How much money you get? It's $15, y'all. I got two kids and I'm in ministry. Like, it's <laughs> all your boy got. Somebody take me out to lunch after. I would appreciate it. No. <laughs> But we, we put it, we put our ability, we put our belief in our hustle. I made this money. I earned this. I got that tax refund. I, I did that. I, I, I be, and I need you to know this. Hear me from my heart. The resources and the money that you have either in your bank account, in your pocket, in your wallet did not come from you. They came from God. Hear me. And we, this is the thing that people get tight about. As soon as I pulled out money, I saw all y'all. Like, y'all don't want to talk about it anymore because we think this is ours. And so this is why some, so many people in the church, we struggle in giving and we struggle in returning the tithe into God and we struggle being generous to other people and helping the homeless and doing the poor because we think this is ours. Let me tell you, this is not from you. This came from God. Some of y'all are like, no. I look at my bank account on the first of 15. It came, no, 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 no. It came from the company, from God, through them to you. So your hustle once you get focused on that and your ability, it can slow you down and deter you. I'm telling you, don't put your belief in your hustle and what you can do. Trust in ourselves. Here's one more place that we misplace 
our belief is this, is we put our belief in the enemy. Now, I know some of y'all got so many questions right now. Is that Batman? <laughs> Why is he so small? <laughs> all the questions, it's fine. I'll answer all those here in a minute. It is Batman, by the way. Um, but you may be like, I don't believe in the enemy. TJ, I'm at church. Like, what are you talking about? Like, I don't, I don't believe. Okay, let me rephrase. Maybe you don't believe in the enemy, but you have bought into some of the lies that he has sold you. You, you believe, because here's what I need you to know is, is this, is that that's all he can do. Did y'all know that? The enemy cannot make you do anything. I grew up on bad theology that was like, well, God made, or not the God, the enemy made me do it. The devil made me do it. Y'all ever heard that before? The devil did not make you do it. You made you do it. You made you send that text message to that person that you knew you weren't supposed to. You made that decision to, to cut a little right here, cheat on your taxes so you can get a little bit of bigger tax return. You, it's real quiet in here. You, you, <laughs> the devil did not make you do it. He only lied and suggested and you did it. And, and here's what I know is here, you got to know this and it's not to put fear into you. This is not, a, we, we, we're not a church that we talk about, you know, watch out, the devil's coming. He's on every rock. No, not like that. But you do need to know you really do have a real enemy. Like first Peter five, eight says, be alert and, and of sober mind, the enemy, the devil, he is walking around. He's looking to see who he can take out, who he can break, who he can kill, who he can devour but the only way he can do that is if he lies to you and here's my fear is that he's always done this but I think that over these last two years we have received his lies at a rate higher than we've ever received it the enemy's been tormenting us in our mind tormenting us in our spirit and we've believed some of those lies here's some of the lies that that we have believed is this is that it's the only way that we're actually going to find comfort is through substances. So it's why we go back to the bottle. It's why we go back to the pills. It's why we go back to smoking the things. It's because we believed a lie. We, we believe the lie that just texting that coworker is it's not going to do any harm. But really it leads to sin. We we believe the lies that, that say that you're going to have to just deal with that physical pain for the rest of your life. And let me pause here for a moment and let me tell you, what I have read in the Bible, it says that Jesus took the stripes on his back so that you may be healed. I need to let somebody in this place know today, because this is a gift of mine, is that you don't have to walk in that pain any longer. You don't have to just stay there. I need you to know this. Jesus did not just die to save you, but he died to heal you. Somebody needs to receive that today. We believe those lies. We, we believe the lies that have caused severe anxiety and depression. Now, I, I want to be cautious here because I know that for some people it's an actual, it's a chemical thing. It's, there's, there's, a, there's a imbalance there. And if that's you, go seek help. Seriously. Like we believe, we believe in Jesus and the doctors. Come on, somebody. That's why he gave them to us. And I can speak boldly on this because my, my wife has dealt with this. And God has healed her and is continuing to heal her through this. He's done it. But for some of you, it's not chemical, it's spiritual. You worry about everything. You 
wake up in the morning thinking it's going to be a horrible day. You wake up in the morning fearful that you're going to get in a car wreck and die. You, you, you wake up in the morning sad about what was and what could have happened and what happened in 2020 and all those things that you just can't get out of it is because you believed a lie. My last one that's really been on my heart these last two months is the worst one of all. The worst one of all. There are people in this world, dare I say even in this church, that have believed in the lie that you no longer have any more value on this earth. Things are just never going to get better. Things are never going to turn around. If, if I make that decision, everything's going to go to shambles. Y'all, the enemy has destroyed people with that lie. You know, just last year alone, 1.2 million people attempted suicide last year. It's jumped up 51% in students 18 years and younger who feel like there's nothing else that they can do. Instead of the hope. And I just need you to know those people that have done that, that have made that decision, they're not bad people. They're not wrong people. They're not, they're not, they just believed a lie. It really hit me a couple of weeks ago, a few weeks ago. It's a young lady she was Miss USA and she was now starting to be on TV all the time and maybe some of you saw this. She lived in New York and she fell prey to this lie. And I don't mean to be graphic, but I, I just want you to understand the gravity of this. She lived in a high-rise apartment, New York. She got on the window of her 60th floor and took her life. Why? Because she believed a lie. And I remember that one rocked me, y'all. I couldn't get past it. I was like, why is this? I mean, it always heartbreaking, but this one really just gut-wrenched me. I was posting about it. I was texting people about it. I was, I remember sitting down at the dinner table and my wife was telling her about how much it bothered me. She said, babe, you know why? She says, because you saw your daughter. And not only did I just see her because she's a female, but she literally looks like what my daughters will probably look like one day. She's mixed girl, beautiful girl, light skin, long curly hair, beautiful smile, lit up a room. And y'all, I had a panic. I said, Jesus, please help me to help my daughters never believe this lie. And I panicked and I, I prayed and I said, God, help me. God, let me love her better. Let me show her. Some God, let me do all of those things. And y'all, it wrecked me. And I remember weeping at one point. And all those emotions I went through as an earthly father, I can only imagine what our heavenly father feels. That when he's, he sees that somebody's about to make that decision, he, he leans over the balancer of heaven and he's like, no, don't do it. Don't do it. I, I, I got a plan for you. I've, I've got a purpose. I've got a destiny. Don't, don't do it. Don't, don't do it. Don't believe the lie. It's going to get better. Your marriage is going to be restored. You are going to be healed. Your child is going to come home. Don't believe. Don't believe the lie. 
And here's why we don't have to believe the lie. It's because the reason why I picked it this small is because this is how big the enemy actually is. I don't mean physically. I've never seen him in person. I pray to God I don't. But I mean in mentality. This is how we got to view the enemy. This is all the power that we will ever give him. This is all the power. And the Bible says the power that has been given to us is this, is to trample over snakes, over scorpions, over the unseen world, over things that are not of God. And here's what we can do. We can take someone that's so little and we can put him on the ground and we can put him under our feet and we can say, I'm not going to believe the lie. I'm not going to fall prey to it. I'm not going to fall into that. I believe that God has a purpose. He has a destiny. He has a call. He has a plan for my life. If you believe it, give God a shout of praise. Don't believe the lie. Don't believe the lie. I need you to believe in God. I need you to switch your mindset in this real quick. I need you to move from relationship seeking to relationship building. Galatians 1.10 says, obviously I'm not trying to win the approval of people, but of God. If pleasing people were my goal, I would not be Christ's servants. Basically, he's saying if I got caught up in relationship seeking, then I would miss out on everything that God has for me. I need you to move from searching from the wrong things to seeking the right things. Psalm 63.1 says, God, you are my God. Earnestly, I seek you. I thirst for you. My whole body belongs to you in a dry and parched land because your love is better than life, is better than success, is better than relationships, is better than money. It is better than those things. I need you to move from trusting in yourself to trusting in God. Proverbs 3, 5. Come on, y'all know this verse. Trust in the Lord with all of your heart and lean not to your own understanding, not just to your own ability, not just to your own smarts, not just to your own appearance, not just to your own money, not just to the relationships. I I need you to trust in God. I need you to move from believing the lies to believing the truth. John 10 10 says this, the thief, he comes to steal, to kill and destroy. But I love this response. Jesus says, but I have come that you may have life. I need you to know this. Truth is not an answer you can find on Google. Truth is not just a mystical thing in the air. Truth is not just an emotion that you feel, but truth is a person and his name is Jesus Christ. And I need for somebody in this place to not just see not just see him as savior, but to see him as lord of your life. So what will you believe? For some of you, stay standing, I'm, I'm done. For some of you, this is what's happened in the last few years. Your bag has been full of beliefs of bad things. There's been some trash left in there. It's bitterness, unforgiveness. You've been carrying around things of, if I could get back to 2020, if I could, if those things could happen again, if I could get back in that marriage, if they could see those things. And it's just been trash all along. And here's what I want you to do today is remove the trash that's in your bag. And I want you to fill it with the only thing that matters. And that is the word of God. 
that says, I've got a purpose for you, that says no good thing would I withhold from the people who love me. And then you place it in your bag and you walk around with that and say, this is my bag of belief. I believe in the word. I believe in the truth of Jesus Christ. I believe in who he's called me to be. If you believe it, can you just take 10 seconds to just give him your greatest praise in it? Oh, come on. If you believe in him, I said give him your greatest shout of praise in this place. There's some people in this room right now that you need to restore your belief in God. There's some people in this place that you've never truly put your belief in God. And I'm going to talk to both of y'all, but if you've done that before, hold on with me for one second. If you've never put your belief in Jesus, I want to give you that opportunity. The Bible says it's real simple. Romans 10 verses 8 and 9. If you would only confess with your mouth and what? Believe. That's all you got to do. Believe it in your heart that God raised Jesus from the dead. You will be saved. That's you. Every head bowed, every eye closed. I want to give you the opportunity. I don't care who's standing next to you. I don't care who you came here with. I don't care if you came here to make this decision. This is the moment that I've prayed for. This is the moment that's the most important about church is people are saying, I'm placing my faith in Jesus. That's you. I'm going to count to three. No manipulation. I just want you to slip up your hand up high enough, long enough so I can see it. And we're going to pray over you. We're going to move on. If that's you, you say, I want to accept Jesus into my heart today. On the count of three, lift up your hands. One, two, three. Thank you. I see you back there. I see you, bro. Proud of you. Thank you. I see you, man. I see you in the back. Thank you. Thank you. I see you, sweetheart. Thank you. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you. Thank you. I see you, man. I'm proud of you. Or you can put your hands down. I see you over there. Thank you. Everybody, can we pray this out loud for the benefit of those who've never prayed this prayer before? Everybody say, Jesus, I need you. I ask you to forgive me of all my sin. Today, I make you Lord and Savior of my life. I believe that you lived. I believe that you died. And I believe that you were raised from the dead. And from this moment forward, I will live for you. In Jesus' name. Come on, everybody said amen. Come on, I saw about eight hands that are, oh, come on. They're going to be in heaven one day now. Thank you, Jesus.